0: Testing one, two, three, there we go. All right, we're going to continue. So if you can make your way back to your seats, that would be great. And there's still a couple of things we want to do here this morning. So we've had a great morning thus far, and we want to continue that. So if you can make your way to your seats, and if you have your Bibles with us, you can turn to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. So as we wait for everyone just to get back in. If you have your Bibles with you, or maybe on your phone, on your tablet, the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. So you can turn there, and I'm going to read it in a moment. So last week, Mark was speaking from the book of Mark chapter 2, all about overcoming faith and how the friends of the paralytic brought their friend to Jesus, how they persevered, and how... Mark was just sharing different stories, God stories, that build our faith to know that God is real and that God listens to our prayers and that God's active. And so I encourage you, I know we had a snowstorm last week, so many of you might not have heard that message. If you want to go to our website and listen to that, that would be really helpful. And today, even though we're reading from the Old Testament, a similar sort of theme of overcoming faith and trusting in God. And so we've got an incredible story to read, and then we've got a modern day story as well from our own uh, church family. And so uh, this year for myself, I'm going to be going through the book of 1 Samuel. So as I speak throughout the year, uh, we'll be diving into the Old Testament and learning different things. And I thought it was perfect for a baby dedication to start with 1 Samuel 1. And as we read an incredible story, another birth story. It's great at Christmas reading about the story of Jesus and his birth story, and today we're going to read about Samuel's birth story. So again, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, and if you can pronounce the words better than me, you let me know afterwards and I'll let you read it next week, okay? So here we go. There was a certain man from Ramatham, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerahom, the son of Elahu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephraimite. So just in case you think all the names are used up and you don't have any creative new names, for those of you who still might have children, I've just given you a few, not to be confused with Tofu, but Tohu, okay? (laughs) All right, simmer down now. Here we go. So Elkanah, he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had none. And year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. And whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peniah, and to her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair By the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving. But her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will we keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. And early the next morning they arose and worshiped before the Lord, and they went back to their home at Ramah. And Elkanah lay with Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And if we go down to verse 34, we pick up the story. And after he was weaned, that Samuel, she took the boy with her, as young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And when they slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there whoo what an incredible story and somehow i think if you hear that and if you can read it again this week i think there's something in you that stirs you that allows you to relate and feel for hannah and to feel the pain of the difficult times and to rejoice and to be glad in the time of celebration and even though this story is a couple of thousand years old from history, I believe God wants to speak to us today from it and to bring application to us today. And I just want to highlight a couple of things, and then I'm going to ask Shini to come and share her modern story for us to be able to learn from. So the first thing I want to point out is this. It's God's sovereignty. And so we say that a lot. We say God's sovereignty, that God is in control. He's in control over history. He's in control over big things, but he's also in control over little things. And how do we know that? Well, we see that God allows things, and sometimes God doesn't allow things. And in this example, two times it's written, the Lord had closed her womb. Now, we don't know why. We don't understand. It doesn't explain you know, God had a great purpose and Hannah, you're not going to be able to get pregnant for a long time, but just trust me, good's going to come. We don't have any of that story. We don't know if she sinned. We don't know what the situation was. It just says twice, the Lord had closed her womb. And we don't know why. And we don't know if it was a specific thing that God had in mind or if it was just in his general will that, you know, sometimes Our bodies don't work the way they should. We don't know if it was something like that, that it wasn't specific, it was just a general thing. We don't know. And many times in the Bible and many times today, we don't understand when things happen. But God is sovereign. And we don't have God's wisdom. We don't have God's perspective. We don't have God's knowledge. We don't have God's understanding. We don't know God's timing. We don't know His purposes and plans. We just don't understand. And you know what? That is absolutely Frustrating. That hurts because we don't know. And most of us, especially a control freak like myself, wants to know why things are happening or not happening so that I can have some sort of semblance of feeling like I'm in control. And as long as I knew, okay. But when I don't know, it's very unsettling and it can be very frustrating and very painful. And we have to learn all the way through that God is sovereign, God's in control, and as we're going to see, we can press in and trust him even when we don't understand. Now, that's a big whole message right there, but we'll just say that as a part A to this message. God is sovereign, he's in control, and even though we don't understand, we need to press into him. Because what happened to Hannah? The second thing is, Hannah was broken because of what was going on in her life. There's no other way to describe it. Hannah had a brokenness to her because the results of her womb being closed are major. First thing, and what most historians would tell us, because she couldn't have kids, her husband had to get a second wife. Now we're not advocating that, we're just saying in their culture, that's what happens. And as we see in the Bible, whenever more wives are brought on, nothing to the wife, it's usually the husband's fault, bad things happen. It doesn't turn out good. But her not being able to have a child had huge ramifications both for her life and for her family. Because in their culture, you needed kids in order to maintain your family, not just in a family line, but just in survival. If you don't have kids, you don't have anyone to take care of you when you get older. You've got no one to take care of business. You've got no one to take care of just the essentials of bringing food and surviving and maintaining your home. So Elkanah had to have a second wife. That didn't go well, as we see. The second wife, Panaya, had children, and she made fun of Hannah, taunting her, provoking her, irritating her. And guess what? It wasn't just for a day or for a week or for a few months. It was year after year after year. And the husband, I'm sure, trying to be well-meaning was not very helpful. (laughs) And if you look at sometimes our lives, we have many people who are family, friends today, who suggests different things, meaning to be helpful, but actually it kind of makes things worse. So saying to his wife, it doesn't matter that you don't have kids, you have me! I don't think went over very well. <laughs> I don't think that was the answer. And sometimes we and our humanists can give answers to people that are human answers that don't actually meet needs. And it can actually make things worse. And Hannah having no children affected everything. I'll list a few off. It affected her dreams, They're crushed. It affected her identity. It affected her purpose in life. It affected her marriage. It affected her social life. She was laughed at and bullied. It affected her with rejection issues and shame and embarrassment. And the end result, year after year after year of all those things, is Hannah is a broken woman. How do we know that? We read the things like this. She's weeping, she could not eat, she was downcast, she was consumed that she couldn't have children. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but I think if I go over a few things, I'm sure there's something in your life you might be able to relate to, even if it has nothing to do with children. So you might be single, and you might be feeling like Hannah, I just want to get married, and I want to have a spouse, and that's my, I've, since I was a kid, I want to be married, but I'm single. And that might be a consuming You might be married, but not able to have children, and you can relate to this story in an intimate way. You might be divorced and feel like your hopes and dreams, your identity, all those things have been crushed. You might not be able to have a job. You might have financial issues. You might have shame issues. You might have anger issues. You might have been bullied. Maybe you're still being bullied year after year after year. Whatever the case might be, you might consider yourself broken, and you know That you're broken. And the question we have to ask ourselves, what do we do when we're broken? What do we do with broken dreams? How do we handle these difficult things when they come our way? And Hannah had a choice to make. And the incredible thing about Hannah is this. Hannah, in the midst of her brokenness, still chooses to come to God. Can I say that again? Hannah, in her brokenness, still made a choice to come and to press in to God because most of the time or a lot of time when we go through brokenness we actually run away from God or we blame God or we don't believe there is a God Hannah made a choice to keep coming to God year after year after year she went to Shiloh, she worshipped she gave the sacrifices she pressed into God, she persevered and what did she do? She prayed and what did her prayers look like? I'll just highlight a couple of things in her prayers, she was honest with God. It's a good starting point, isn't it? Because sometimes we, get, we think of prayer. I don't know about you, but I do it sometimes. I feel like I've got to paint a pretty picture to God of who I am be, in order to get to God. And Hannah was real. And folks, it was messy. It was messy, but she was honest before God. And she cried out to God. Verse 10, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. So much so, as she was praying in her heart, she couldn't even probably put words to what was going on inside of her. Her lips were moving, but she had no voice. And it reminds me of Paul's teaching in Romans 8 in the New Testament, as Paul explains how Jesus has come, how Jesus has experienced everything that we've experienced, how Jesus lived a perfect life, but he was tempted and he went through various things, and he prayed to his Father. And we see it in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified, him praying out to God. and him, sweat drops of blood. It was messy, him being real with God. God, if there's any other way you can do this besides me going to the cross, please do it, but at the end, not my will, but yours. That Jesus praying before his Father. And now Jesus on the cross, taking our sin, our suffering, our death, our shame, our embarrassment, our guilt, our anger, the wrongs we've done, the wrongs done to us, paying the price for that, bringing healing, dead, resurrected, ascended, ruling and reigning, sending his Holy Spirit to those who follow him, and now the Holy Spirit helps us in these things. And Paul's able to say in Romans eight twenty-six to 28, in the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us, followers of Jesus, in our weakness, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Hallelujah. And we see in the Psalms that the writers of Psalms are real with God in their prayers. Honest, raw, pouring out their heart and their soul to God. And so if you've been doing our bible reading this week on psalm one through eight today then you might have come across some of the honest psalms already that we read about and i'm going to read out one to you and it's interesting as gary was talking about anger one of the psalms says in your anger do not sin from psalm 4 psalm 6 a psalm of david david pouring out his heart before god listen to this one oh lord do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. No one remembers you when he is dead. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord Lord has heard my weeping, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy, the Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and dismayed, they will turn back in sudden disgrace. One of the many Psalms, just pouring out and being real before God. It sounds like it was so messy that Eli the priest thought that Hannah was drunk, and I think For Eli to think that, she must have looked pretty messed up, but also Eli must have seen a lot of people who were drunk all the time, because it seems like that was his first thing he thinks of, and I think it's very common back then and very common today, how do people escape their trials and troubles? It's by turning to alcohol and drugs. So I don't think it would have been difficult for Eli to think, here's this woman, drunk, escaping her misery. And Hannah, with great risk, prays a prayer and makes a vow that God, if you give me a son, I'll give him to you. It's a risk to ask. Why is it a risk to ask? Because if you never ask, then you never get disappointed, do you? But it takes a risk to pray a prayer because we don't know how it's going to be answered. But it's worth the risk. So Hannah comes to God despite her brokenness and through weeping, bitterness of soul, deeply troubled, great anguish and grief. She pours out her heart to God, and she prays a prayer. And the amazing thing is, after all that, Hannah actually finds some rest. She finds some peace. Hannah leaves it with God. She went on her way, and she ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now, the incredible thing is, she doesn't know the answer to her prayer yet. She doesn't know if it's going to be answered or not. God didn't speak and say, Hannah, I've seen you, a baby's coming. And as soon as you're like, now I'm glad. She's left it with God, and she doesn't know the answer, but she's eat, and what does she do? She worships God, and she goes back to her normal, everyday life. And she didn't even get a word from God that we know of. It doesn't say, it's not recorded that God spoke to her and said, Hannah, I've seen you. Nine months' time, you can start rejoicing today. We don't see that. Hannah pours it out to God. The burden is lifted, and the burden is now put on God, and she's able to go eat, she's not downcast anymore, it says she worships God, and what does she do? She goes back home, back to normal life, and God hears, Eli agrees with her prayers, and it's great when we can pray with others, and she worshiped God's, and she goes back to normal life, and in verse 19, it says God remembers her, and the amazing thing is, I don't even think it's an immediate answer, in the course of time. Hannah conceives, and we have a miracle. A son, Samuel, heard of God because I asked the Lord for him. And in closing, the amazing thing with this answer prayer is that Hannah honors God. Hannah fulfills her promise and her vow to God. Because many times, and I've heard people do this, people make promises and vows to God in crisis situations. God, if you only do this, then I'll do that. And guess what happens? God does this, And then people just back to their normal life and God, if you do this, then I'll follow you. God, if you do this, then I'll do this. And a lot of times God answers and people forget their part of the vow and of their prayer to God. Not so with Hannah. Samuel at a young age is given to Eli at the temple so that his whole life is dedicated to God just as Hannah had promised. Now let's just think about that for a minute. Hannah's barren. She can't have any kids. It ruins her. She's broken. She prays. God answers. How difficult would it be (laughs) at three or four years of age to now, God, you've answered, I've got this boy, to then send him away to Eli in the temple. (sighs) But Hannah does it. She honors God as difficult as it is. You know, folks, that's an incredible story. There's all kinds of lessons and applications. But I thought it would be good this morning to hear a modern-day story. And so, with great perseverance, Shani, I'm going to ask you to come. And Warren, if you want to come as well, come on up. And I know Shani is nervous, so bless her for being willing to share. And with great perseverance, I asked Shani before Christmas if she would consider coming and sharing her story. I think it's important for us to hear stories about what God's done in our own church family and she said yes and we've been working on this and then on Thursday her back acted up and she's been in bed and in great pain right up to about 9 20 this morning we made the call and but you're here and so Shani come and if I can have the cordless uh, please and then we'll get Shani to share and so Shani come we'll stay up here with you if you would give your story, we'd love to hear it. Okay? Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Warren.
1: I'm not a good yep.
0: You keep going. Mm-hmm. I'm
1: not a good public speaker, so I wrote my story. That's and I'm all just right. You read. go right ahead. <laughs> um, so I'm Shani, and this is Warren, and we have a family of three beautiful children, and this is how we got here. Um, I grew up in Beresford near Brunswick just three hours north of here and I was brought up in a few different Christian backgrounds. I started off Catholic and then went to a cornerstone Pentecostal church and then um, grew up Evangel into my teens and I felt the Spirit of God personally when I was a teenager and accepted Christ personally into my life at that point but then life circumstances I soon rebelled I then found myself pretty much atheist, really wanting nothing to do with God. And, but now looking back, I can still see that the spirit nudged me quite a bit. Mm. I came to a point in my life where I was really lost, searching for answers to uh, questions in life. I was all the way out west in Kelowna, BC, when out of the blue one day, feeling really down and depressed about my life situation, I decided to climb a nearby mountain and I called out to the universe Mm. because I wasn't believing in God anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I wrote in my journal and had debates and um, was asking questions um, like what the heck am I here (laughs) for? (laughs) What am I supposed to be living this life Mm -hmm. for? And so after hours of contemplating and honestly not thinking about God or Jesus at all really throughout the whole time, I had this like light bulb moment and I thought this thought entered my head and I remembered walking by a vineyard church the week before and I'd never been to a vineyard church but I'd heard about them Um, and it was a Sunday so I thought wow I have a few hours to walk down and make my way to the evening service so that's just what I did and in those few hours I had some serious talks with God kind of sounded like you better show yourself, this is your chance, I'm giving you the last chance, tonight is your night or none. Mm -hmm. Like, you show yourself to me. (laughs) (laughs) I was desperate. Mm. And so I walk there and I get to church and there's no church service, not a car or a person. Mm. And I started to cry. I felt really lost. Mm. So I kept walking around the building, and I saw this guy smoking a cigarette. And at my home church, no one would ever be smoking a cigarette outside of the <laughs> church building, <laughs> let alone dressed in normal day clothes like you always dressed up. So not thinking anything God-centered at all, because it was completely on the other side of a huge building. The guy chats with me, and I you know, kind of gather myself together, and he asks me to go listen to live music upstairs. Yeah. And so I said yes, and I get up the stairs, and it's their young adult's night. Mm -hmm. And God floored me. Mm. And I couldn't move from the entrance all night. His spirit was so strong, my legs were shaking. And from there, God revealed himself in a miraculous way over and over and over. as I became on fire for God.
0: Mm-hmm. I got four <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> I came prepared. I might need it for myself. But <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> You're doing great, Jenny. Here, Can we just make sure you hold that up? All yeah. Right. Thanks. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so where am I? So from there, God revealed himself in miraculous ways over and over, and I became on fire for God. I rededicated my life and built a solid relationship with my Lord and Savior Jesus. Through my time there, I remember multiple times singing through worship um, and dancing and praying to God about his refining fire and honestly and sincerely praying prayers, laying down my life to his calling. I wanted to live fully to what he had called me to live and was willing to give him anything for that. I had no idea what I was praying.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. There were many
1: (laughs) prophetic words spoken Mm -hmm. over me during that time at church And one that I have on tape, yes, on tape, not CD, (laughs) (laughs) and that relates to my time here in Fredericton, was that God would allow giants to come into my life, and that there would be really hard, that they would be really hard to fight, and that I would want to give up, and that I should not worry, though, that God would be fighting for me. As some prophetic words are for the present, I had learned, Mm -hmm. and some others were to be put on the shelf for later, and this was one of them, I kind of put it on there and didn't really remember it for a while.
0: And so what she's saying, prophetic words is when God speaks through a Christian, God's heart and God's mind might be for a purpose or a future plan or direction. And so God speaks a lot of that time through us to each other and it's to encourage us and to strengthen us. And so, that, so when Shanee's saying prophetic words, that's what she's referring to. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And so years later, I moved back east and I came to Fredericton, and through word of mouth, I heard about the meeting place now called Christ Central, and this is, has been my church ever since. Um, Warren and I met here in Fredericton a few years after that, and that's a whole other story of God's <laughs> amazingness, <laughs> and perhaps <laughs> another mini testimony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another we'll point. save that one for another
0: day. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We
1: were married six months later after meeting and established our home based here in Fredericton. Eventually, we, um, when we got married, we had talked and planned um, about our future family together, that we would have a few kids and adopt a few kids. Mm-hmm. It was um, what was on both of our hearts mm-hmm. at the time. After a few years of trying um, but not preventing conception, mm-hmm. we, I, started to get Worried, so we began what was to be one of the biggest giants to fight in my life. Our infertility journey became hard instantly. I was willing to lay down my life for Christ, but not this. Not having a baby, not what I grew up believing I would be since I couldn't remember. This was not something I could give. And I fought in prayer, in oceans of tears for years with God about this. I pleaded, I prayed prayed quietly, loudly, with friends, with elders, with family, and with our amazing community. I blogged about it. I felt far from God, even though I always kept going to church. It became harder to attend, as every church service was filled with amazing families, and all I could see were beautiful children, which was a painful reminder mm-hmm. of our infertility. And all I could do when I came was cry, why me? (laughs) Mm. It was the darkest, Mm. loneliest season of my life. (laughs) This is a quote that that a friend of mine shared actually just this week with me. Mm. Um, And it kind of relates to that season. And it says, occasionally we weep deeply over the life you'd hope would be. Grieve the losses, then wash your face, trust God, and embrace your life you have. Mm-hmm. It's by John Piper. And it really resonated with mm-hmm. that. Because even though we were surrounded by our friends and church family praying for us for years, it was hard to see families growing everywhere around us. I had to come to a place where mentally and spiritually I needed to lay down the dream of ever carrying a child in order to move on. I needed to lay it down, and I needed to mourn it. What I always thought was meant, I I needed to mourn what I always thought I was meant to do. So I did. We took a long vacation after our last fertility treatment and laid that dream to rest. We then changed our path to fertility treatments to adoption from fertility treatments to adoption and this is where we started researching all avenues adoption after a few years of researching and paperwork we finally had our profile ready and sent to South Africa in September and then the program was abruptly put on hold Mm -hmm. we were so sad and deep inside as positive as I was trying to be I questioned God if we would ever become parents at all Then one amazing May evening, Mm -hmm. we received a phone call from a lady who lived in Nunavut who had connected friends of ours to Mm -hmm. their first adopted daughter. The call that would forever change our lives. It's a girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And her birth mother is looking for adoptive parents. Of course, we said yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This is messy. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: That's okay. You're doing great, Shani. Thank you. Mm So speed
1: through two years of the most amazing years uh, with a very grateful heart. We received another call and an amazing gift from Nunavut. We were elated, not just one baby, but two, (laughs) a girl and a boy, Mm. our million dollar family. (laughs) We rejoiced and felt whole and blessed beyond measure to be chosen to be our kids' parents. It all made sense. Once we had our babies in our arms, it was all worth it. The journey to our children was worth it. God knew and his plan was perfect. And I could see his arms holding me in hindsight, like a parent holds a tantruming toddler kicking and screaming. God helped me with so much compassion through all of the infertility years. Mm. And then to give a little background to the next miracle, I'll start here. Um, Through those two first years as parents, I had a childhood friend visit and she felt to prophesy that I would one day carry a child. I honestly didn't believe her or get (laughs) excited at this. I actually forgot it quite quickly until she reminded me later. Mm -hmm. I had laid down that dream and for me, it honestly was not a desire anymore. I was a mother and I had the best gifts there could be and I could not possibly get pregnant 10 to 12 years later. Mm-hmm. I also went up for prayer at the Christ Central Conference. Cassius was just a few months old at the time. I think it was the first time we left him with a sitter. Mm-hmm. Ginny, serving at the conference from Mark and Debbie's former church in Sheffield, England, called for people who dealt with endometriosis and that had infertility as a result to come for prayer, so I did. It was a little too specific not to go, <laughs> 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 but again, I did not think that I would get pregnant. I thought that God, that if God could give me relief from my endometriosis that that would be nice, so I believed for that, and this was in April of 2014. I should mention here as well that um, I had a herniated disc in my lower back and was going through a lot of pain since January that year. This was a very stressful time for me as I physically couldn't even walk down my driveway and was on the wait list to see a back surgeon. Before my herniated disc, I had in my mind if we now have two adopted children, and then maybe God would bless us with a third adoption. But Warren felt he was done at two. <laughs> 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 and so I... <laughs> so I was prompted to pray that God would either change his heart about it or to change mine because I didn't felt, feel like we were done if mm-hmm. God was to bless us again. And so... Um, And so I prayed that he would either change his heart or take my desire away for a bigger family. And I had faith he would do one or the other and I was okay with that. Now, fast forward to June. Warren is standing in the bathroom shaving and I, in a lot of pain from my herniated disc, literally wobbling by, hear him blurt out, I think I'm ready for a third baby. Maybe in like nine months or so. (laughs) And I just kind of acknowledged (laughs) 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 and I kind of acknowledged him in my pain (laughs) and just kind of kept walking by (laughs) 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 and thought no way I'm having another baby in this much pain but then thought wow God changed his heart maybe there's a birth mom out there who's willing to look for an adoption plan And I left it at that, like I was in that much (laughs) pain. It was a -hmm. very fleeting thought. Um, July comes rolling around, and sure enough, my 28-day cycle on the day was late, and we had a miracle pregnancy test. Mm -hmm. We'd never seen a positive in our whole marriage, (laughs) 12 years. Mm -hmm. And... um, Here we were with two babies, two and under, and I thought, God, are you sure? (laughs) 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 But for real, we were very elated and in awe. God was so faithful through it all, and from the beginning of the prophecies of warning to bringing us our church family that never stopped supporting us, I could have only dreamed of a family this beautiful, and never in my own abilities could I have orchestrated it this -hmm. way who knows we always think had we had biological children first we may have never met our first two children and i cannot imagine a day in my life not knowing them Mm -hmm. god knew all along we knew all the little details of our life and though i doubted him his shoulders were strong enough his arms were wide enough and I'm sure he has turned my oceans of tears into something, obviously, incredibly beautiful.
0: Wonderful, Shani. Well, Shani, I mean, incredible story. still being written, and so God, you know, we just see God's faithfulness in your life, and Warren, and thank you for persevering. Just as you close, I think it might be helpful. You know, if you could turn back time, and you were sitting here going through your darkest moments, what would you say today to maybe help someone in a similar situation, whether it might be infertility or any of those other things we talked about earlier, like it's just a very dark place, just in closing, what would you share to yourself years ago that might be an encouragement Mm. to them?
1: (laughs) Well, um, I think the difference from the time in my teenage years to this time, like that was also a very dark time when I fell away from God, when I was in Kelowna, I remember somebody telling me that God was strong enough to ho- to to hear it all, <laughs> you know. So in my times of infertility, like it was no pretty prayers, yeah, you know. And I felt I felt comfortable to come to Him yes. like that. Mm-hmm. I just laid it all out, and this is who I was, and I that that remark that that person told me saved me because I was able to just go to him with, you know, my anger. And yes. there may have been a few swear words <laughs> in my <laughs> prayers, to yeah. be honest. I was angry, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, but he he was there. He held me, and I could feel, you know, that he was always, um, his mm-hmm. arms were always yes. open to me. yes. Yes. And so, I guess I would say to just never let anything not let you come to God, That's no right. matter what it is.
2: That's right. Because
1: hmm. <laughs> obviously, He still loved us yes. and blessed us. Yes. And, yeah. Wonderful,
0: Shani. Well done. Yeah. Well done. You did it. <laughs> Thank <be> very <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. Well done, Shani and Warren. Thank you so much. And powerful to hear God's Word and powerful to hear similar story in our day, in our time from within our own family. And so we're going to transition. I'm going to ask Beth and the worship team to come. And as we've heard from Hannah's story and just from God's Word and similar things reinforced through Shani sharing her story we want to be able this morning to come together and to come to god broken messy raw real and this morning we want to give an opportunity as a family and maybe as mark said earlier and ollie it might be your first sunday even here you might be stirred um by what's been shared and go ahead beth and we would love to be able to walk with you and to be able to pray with you and to ask god and to come to God and to ask God on, behalf, on your behalf to pray and to ask God for a breakthrough, to ask for God's peace, to ask for God to make himself known to you. And however that prayer gets answered, we want you to know Jesus who walks with us and our greatest need, as Mark shared last week, is for us to have a personal relationship with God that's only possible through Jesus. And as we walk with him, He enables us, no matter what comes our way, to persevere and to keep trusting in God. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to stand, and as we sing this song, I'm going to ask people from our church to come and get ready to pray for people, and we'll transition. And if you would like prayer for anything that's a burden for you, we would love to be able to bring you to Jesus and to pray with you. And so, Father in heaven, I just want to thank you this morning that you're real and that you care And even though when we doubt and even though when we don't feel you and even though when you feel far away and even when things happen that we don't understand, even if they go on for years, God, I pray this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would reveal Jesus, light of the world, our good shepherd, our friend that's closer than a brother, our savior, our redeemer, our restorer. I pray for every person here, Jesus, that you would be real and that people would turn to you even this morning. In God, in our brokenness, in the mess of our lives, in the hurt and the pain, God, we choose to turn to you this morning. So Holy Spirit, would you come and help us in that? Come and hear our prayers, Father, this morning as we call out to you for you to come and to act in our friend's behalf. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well,